So our subject today is God loves you. Believe it. Look at somebody next to you and say that. God loves you. Believe it. Or you can say, believe that. <laughs> All right. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. You probably have a copy of the New Living Translation, which is what we read from often. Today, I'm going to actually put on the screen this verse from the ESV for a reason uh, that you will see in just a moment. God loves you. Believe it. I'm going to open us in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you're here in this place. I thank you for the wonderful time that we are having together. And Lord, I just ask that as we turn to your word, that you would help us to understand what we're reading. Help us to experience it. Help us to learn from it. Help us to then know how to respond. We thank you, God, that you're speaking to us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, I, sorry, I also forgot, just real quick. This is a important week for the Cook family. Those of you that know the Cooks have their contact information. The 28th is their 10th wedding anniversary, June 28th. You may make a reminder. You can send them a message. I know they're traveling today. They'll be here next Sunday on the 1st. Um, and then Lydia, their daughter, it's her birthday, I believe, is the day after. I think I wrote this down wrong. I think her birthday is the day after their anniversary. So the 28th. Okay. Let's look at look at this verse. From the ESV, so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in him, uh, sorry, and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. Now, let me just give us a little bit of context for this verse and a little bit of understanding of the vocabulary. So this is John writing at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. John from when you read in the stories, it says Peter, James, and John. This is that John. Uh, so this is a John who, and you'll notice if you start to pay attention to the details in a lot of the stories of Jesus and his time on earth, Peter, James, and John are usually mentioned first. And sometimes they're the only ones there with Jesus. And so you could say that John had an an intimate relationship with Jesus in the fact that he was around him a lot. He was close by. He tried to stay close to Jesus physically. He was listening. He was paying attention. He caught Jesus' tone of voice. He heard his words and how he communicated uh, those words. And so this is also the John who wrote the John you find earlier in New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So he's the one who wrote that. And he's also the one that God gave the crazy revelations that you see that are at the back of the book, that scary book at the back of the book, right? The revelation of Jesus Christ, it's entitled, the book of Revelation. So John wrote those things. Now in this letter, John is specifically writing to Jesus believers, Jesus followers, uh, starting with ones that he had a personal relationship with, and then This letter was to be copied and circulated with believers around the various cities. And in particular, this he's writing this letter because there are people that have started to try to split up the church. Teachers who have come in, who have tried to split the church up and have tried to say that they know more than the disciples, the people who were with Jesus all the time and heard Jesus' words and wrote them down and memorized them. There's other group was trying to infiltrate, break up the church and say, hey, we got it figured out. We have what we call true knowledge. 
And so that was what was going on. And so John writes this letter at that time and in part to address that issue. And he addresses it directly a little bit in the letter, but what you see is that instead of railing against other people and saying, this is what's wrong with you, which is what we so often do, especially on social media, instead of doing that, it's kind of like looks at it this way, like somebody had brought a stick and laid it on the ground and it had this, you know, like L shape to it and they were telling everybody else, hey, that is a straight stick. And John kind of takes an approach kind of like Jesus that instead of saying, you crazy, he goes and finds a straight stick, the love of God expressed through Jesus, and he lays it down next to their crooked stick. That's kind of his approach in this letter, a loving, careful, like this is true knowledge of God comes through a personal relationship with God. That's the theme of this letter, 1 John. And the word love, in particular the Greek agape love word, is the word that he uses here when he talks about God's love for us. So he does use the big God word and he does write to people that are not not Jewish believers, but believers from many other religions and cultures, pantheists, polytheists, pagans, that have come to faith in, in, in Jesus. And he refers to the God above all gods. He uses that word. The God who is the one who has created the universe and who sustains it. And then he uses this agape love word, which is different from a, a familiar, or I love pizza, or I love my friends. No, he uses a word, or I love you, in an erotic sense. He uses a different word, the agape love word, to say this is love by choice, uh, that is uh, long-suffering, that is by decision, that is gracious. This is a love that is faithful. This is a love that is selfless. This is a love that is patient. This is a love that is kind. That's the word that he uses. But I, I want to unpack this phrase first. So we have come to know and believe. And you've heard me before refer to the fact that English is more limited than Greek. Greek is more expressive. And so I just want to, I'm going to give you five descriptive sentences to help us unpack what that phrase, we have come to know and believe, means. I'm going to give you five descriptive sentences to try to help that. Because what I have found in my own life is that I went through days that turned to weeks, that turned to months, that turned to years where I was experiencing emotional pain, mental anguish, even though I was a follower of Jesus, that when I look back now, were unnecessary if I had understood this about how I should approach the love of God first. And I, in my own journey, kind of shut down all my spiritual activity and just spent a year and a half trying to understand the love that God has for us. And that year and a half changed me completely. It changed my, my mental state. It changed my emotional state. It changed my appreciation. It changed, it changed me. It literally shifted my personality to now I am prone towards gratitude because I spent the time to digest what the love of God means for us. So before I give you those five sentences, let me just say this. To come to know and believe. He's talking about the in intellectual comprehension of a matter. To come to know, to come to experience, to come to perceive. To come to understand the love of God. 
to become acquainted with and to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance on, to have confidence in, to have faith in. So here's our five descriptive sentences that I'm hoping will help shift, encourage, motivate. This is kind of like your first appetizer of the day. I try to give you an appetizer towards you spending time to taste and see the love of God. So first, what this phrase, to come to know and to believe in this specific way that John uses it, we became, this is what we would say, we became acquainted with the love that God has for us. Before it goes deep, it starts with an acquaintance. There's a rapport, there's an entry-level phase of getting to know you. Okay? We've become acquainted with the love, the agape love that God has for us. That's the first one. Second, we have learned through intellectual pursuit about the love that God has for us. In my experience, people come to church for different reasons. Some to try to feel better about themselves, some looking for inspiration, some looking for information. Some people just come for the intellectual side of it. Other people come for the emotional experience of it. No matter why you came today, I'm really glad you're here. Really glad you're here. But what I have found is that a lot of times our first deep, meaningful interaction with God, we can kind of stop there in whether it was an emotional thing or an intellectual thing or a spiritual thing. We can kind of stop there and have spiritual arrested development and experience some misery in our lives that is not necessary because we are not further growing in our relationship with God and stretching beyond the first point of contact that we had with God to a greater understanding of who God is. And so for some of us, our interaction with God was first emotional. And so we can't even grasp. Why would I use the intellectual part of my brain learning? That's, that's got nothing to do with spirituality. Well, that's actually wrong-headed thinking. God gave you a brain for a reason. God gave you the ability to reason for a reason. He's the reason for the reason. Okay, we have learned through intellectual... You can't unpack these words that John writes without coming away with this as a part of your understanding. We have come through intellectual pursuit. We have learned through intellectual pursuit about the love that God has for us. Here's a couple more. We have experienced the love that God has for us. He literally uses phrasing that includes an experience. And I know some folks that came, maybe had a certain spiritual background that was particularly intellectual or particularly reserved. And so when you are around people that are really like, whoa, man, God is good, it makes you uncomfortable. Well, I want to, I just want to invite you, I want to appetize you a little bit to come to understand that we should also experience the love of God. It is also good and healthy and right for it to be an experience. Thank you, Pastor Ben. That's really helpful. Other sentence that you see on the screen to unpack this phrase, we have come to understand the love that God has for us. So through an intellectual pursuit and through an experience, which includes our emotion, through those things combined, we come to an understanding. Now, What I believe is that in our time here on earth, we're going to just continue to grow in our understanding constantly, hopefully. And our understanding may not be complete until we're free from these physical human bodies and present with the Lord in heaven. Okay, so we're going to continue to grow. So if you feel like, man, my understanding is not where it needs to be, don't be down on yourself. 
Don't kick yourself. You're God's child. I thought that was... We have come to, with intellectual pursuit, we've come to experience, we've come to understand. Therefore, well, there's one of those words. I got what, what's the therefore, therefore? Therefore, we now believe in the love that God has for us to the extent of confidence and complete trust in and reliance upon this love that God has for us. In my unpacking of the original language of what John wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe you can read that for what it was truly saying and not come away with this as part of your definition. After those previous four descriptive sentences that I said, we now believe in the love that God has for us to the extent of confidence and complete trust in and reliance upon the love that God has for us. That is some good stuff. I thought so. You ever hang around with kids? I love listening to kids, the way that they talk to each other, especially especially when they think that you can't hear what they're saying. Um, And you maybe heard kids um, trying to, you know, impress their friends and they'll use words bigger than they're used to because they're trying to communicate like, no, I understand this. I've experienced this. You don't know, you don't understand this. I'm going to tell you how this stuff works, right? I'm experienced or, or I have, I have got some learning. Like they want to be a little bit smarter, right? So they, they might use words like, so basically I make my lunch and mom takes me to school and that, right? I think it's a big long sentence, but it's got to start with basically. Yes. <laughs> or maybe it's literally. Literally, I tasted the banana. The chocolate is literally out of this world. (laughs) Or maybe it's just an overuse of the word aggressive or articulate. My dad bought me this amazing turtle. It's the most articulate turtle you've ever met. (laughs) Or maybe I'm just going to go back to school lunch. You know, it's... uh, my mom gave me an apple and an orange. Those two things are juxtaposed to each other. I don't appreciate the dichotomy. <laughs> I started on the orange, albeit then I ate the apple. Albeit. <laughs> it was a pretentious apple too. It had the wherewithal to still have the skin on. So I was beholden to eat it. The onus was on me in the aforementioned apple and orange. It was a quintessential chocolate bar that I had, maybe felonious as an influencer of society, maybe a duplicitous chocolate bar, if you would so bear with me for this litany of ostentatious description. If we, when we start in our spiritual journey, sometimes we're kind of like that, talking about the love of God. And, And God loves us like a good father, a good father, right? Like a father so good you've never seen a father this good. And so it's, it's cute. He loves it. He doesn't care like what word, like he's like, this is great. Look at my kids. They're amazing. 
As time goes by, as you grow, as you get more and more opportunity to grow, the heart of God is desiring that you would grow, that you would experience His love for you more, so that instead of describing God with God's love like I was describing the apple and an orange, you would describe it accurately with understanding that I have experienced the benefits, I've experienced the life change of, of God's amazing love for me. So I'm going to do something we've actually never done in this church before. This morning. It's a tradition with some humans to when we read scripture to stand out of respect. It's like, you, you don't have to participate in this in any way, shape, or form, but I have almost 20 verses about God's love for us that I want us to read one at a time, and I'd like to just give the opportunity, not for us to make extra editorial comments, but just to read the scripture and to just take it in turns. And so I'm going to, um, a pass around this recorder for the benefit of those that will be listening later via podcast and traveling and whatnot. But I'm going to put a, a scripture on a screen and you can raise your hand or just take turns. You, you probably want to raise your hand because you don't want me calling you out. You know I will. Uh, but we're just going to read one verse at a time and I want you to taste and see that God is good. I want you to experience the love that God has for you through these verses. And so when it's your turn, stand up hold the recorder, and read the verse that you see on the screen. Is that okay? We've never done this before. We're going to try it out. Okay. Who's going to go first? Okay, Mike? You don't call me out. (laughs) Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Jeremiah 31 3. Yeah. Who's that? The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Psalm 103 8. Yeah. Who's next? The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Lamentations 3.22-23. Who's next? Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. Psalm 63.3. Next. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Isaiah 54, 10. Who's next? Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 136, 26. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Zephaniah yeah. 317. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Who's next? I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. 
He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Revelation 21, 4. All right. Who's next? See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. 1 John 3, 1. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John three sixteen. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10. Who's next? We know how dearly God loves us. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Romans 5, verses 3 through 8. Yeah. So lifting a few phrases from that section of verses. Who's next? The Lord called out his own name, Yahweh, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish love, forgiving. Exodus 34, 5 through 7. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Jesus in John 15, 9. Who's that? God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. All right. Who's next? Kate? This is a few selections from those verses. Go ahead. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Romans 8, 35, 39. All right. Now, thank you so much, everybody, for participating. And we did those quickly. But the beautiful thing is that this is going to be available on our website that you can download or stream at any point. And I hope that you're starting to also kind of get inspired to share today's message with some other people that you know that Sunday morning they're just not ready for yet. That was a good thought. So how do we, how do we respond to this love that God has for us? Well, the five descriptive sentences that I gave you I think are a way that we can respond in honoring of Jesus. And, and here's what Jesus said. Jesus is uh, just 
lifting his summary from Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. He's asked by a religious teacher who's trying to trap him, who's trying to cause a problem, what the most important commandment of God, what is the most important thing that God told us to do? And this is how Jesus responds. He quotes, love God with all you've got. I'm I'm summarizing it, putting it in today's language. Love God with all you've got. And then he quotes a different section of the law, and he says, and equal to it is love your neighbor in the same way that you take care of yourself, which we just spent the last 10 weeks talking about. Today, I have a very simple invitation for you. I want you to taste and see that the love that God has for you is good, is faithful, It's supernatural. It's beyond anything you've experienced from anyone else or in any other way. The love that God has for you. And you have been changed by it, and yet you can be changed by it even more. You have tasted it, and yet you can taste it even more. You have experienced it, and yet you can experience it even more. You have learned about it, and yet you can learn about it even more. I'm inviting you, with all of your being, to experience and interact with and respond to the love that God has for you. Let's stand and we'll just close in prayer. God, we certainly do need you, Lord. Or we are in various stages of life, each of us today, and only you know perfectly what we're going through. God, we ask that you would help us to understand the love that you have for us. We've become acquainted with it. We have started to learn intellectually and experience it emotionally. But God, we want to come to know it and understand it at a level where our response is one of love back to you, living out of a thank you, relying on your love, being confident in your love. Lord, we we need help to respond in that way. And I thank you that you are faithful to help us. So Lord, today we receive your help We make a commitment. We'll love you with all we've got and we'll we'll love our neighbor in the same way we take care of ourselves. I thank you for that today and for your goodness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Feel free to share with somebody else in this room an observation you had from one of those verses that we read through. Thank you so much for coming. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.